Welcome to episode 8 of Sample Excavator. I'm your host, Angela Robledo, and I'm a sample archaeologist digging through sample and production history to piece together the stories behind the world's biggest records. Each week, I take a deep dive into a different sample or sound that has permeated music, examining all of the major times it's been used. This week, we are diving into one of the most prolific producers of the last 35 years. He founded Def Jam Records in New York, signing and producing new school rap artists like LL Cool J, Run DMC, Beastie Boys, and Public Enemy before leaving the label in the late 1980s to found Deaf American Records on the West Coast, switching his focus to rock, punk, and metal, producing records for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Slayer, Joan Jett, Tom Petty, Johnny Cash, Nine Inch Nails, ACDC, and a couple dozen other acts. By the 21st century, he started returning to rap and pop, producing for Jay-Z, Lil Jon, Justin Timberlake, Shakira, Eminem, Kanye West, Ed Sheeran, and Lady Gaga. With an almost unbelievable discography like that, and eight Grammy wins from 23 nominations, it's no surprise that in 2007, MTV called him the most important producer of the past 20 years. It's of course Rick Rubin, an all-time great in the music industry. He's highly influential and referenced by artists who haven't even worked with him directly, like when Brockhampton called him the production wizard they aspire to be in their song 1999 Wildfire. If you took one look at a picture of Rick Rubin and his beard which rivals Hagrid, you'll realize why they call him a wizard. I don't want to get too lost in his endless discography, so this episode will focus on his contributions to hip-hop production particularly in the mid-80s as part of Def Jam, and how that influence took the genre from hip-hop to rap. This means we have to start with the artist that really kicked off everything for Def Jam, James Todd Smith, better known as Ladies Love Cool J, or LL Cool J for short. After a successful single entitled I Need a Beat, produced by Rick Rubin in 1984, Def Jam went ahead and released a full-length LL Cool J project entitled Radio in 1985. This album has a level of explosive, aggressive, self-aggrandizing braggadociousness never seen before in hip-hop, best exemplified by the first track on side B, Rock the Bells. LL Cool J is hard as hell. Battle anybody, I don't care, you tell. I excel, they all fail. Gonna Ushering in the golden age of hip-hop and becoming the most successful hip-hop album at the time, selling 500,000 copies in just its first five months, the release of this album kick-started Def Jam as a label and Rick Rubin as a producer. By using sounds from rock instead of disco, Rick Rubin established new school rap firmly from the old school hip-hop of the Sugar Hill Gang and Curtis Blow. He also revealed himself to be a sample wizard, using a drumline from the 1983 performance entitled Saturday Night Live Part 2 by DC-based band Trouble Funk for LL Cool J to rap over. Def Jam quickly started expanding, looking for more acts to sign in New York. 
Russell Simmons, co-founder of Def Jam with Rick Rubin, convinced his brother Joseph Simmons and his friends Daryl McDaniels and Jason Mazel to join the label under the name Run DMC. They had previously released two albums with Profile Records, but teamed up with Rick Rubin for their third album, Raising Hell, in 1986. As successful as radio with LL Cool J was, nothing could prepare Def Jam for how Run DMC would take the world by storm. Shortly after its release, Raising Hell became the first hip-hop album ever to be certified platinum, selling one million records in its first three months. It reached number three on the Billboard Hot 200 and number one on the R&B charts. Less than a year later, it went multi-platinum, selling three million copies. The number of hits on this album is staggering, from My Adidas to You Be Illin, the title track, and of course, Walk This Way with Aerosmith, arguably the first true rock-rap collaboration. We're going to break down just two songs from this album, starting with It's Tricky, one of the most recognizable songs in hip-hop history. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's so tight. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time. It's tricky. It's tricky. Tricky. It's comprised of two main samples geniusly blended by Rick Rubin. The first is the chorus, which is an interpolation of the chorus from the song Mickey by Tony Bailey. The second sample is the rock guitar hits from the song My Sharona by The Knack. This continued to establish rap as a genre distinct from hip-hop, borrowing from rock more than disco. Two decades after the release of the album, the Knack sued Run DMC for copyright infringement as they had not asked permission before sampling. The issue was settled out of court, but it's important to remember that this song and album were released before widespread sample rules and regulations existed. The next track from Raising Hell we are going to look at is actually the first track on the album, Peter Piper. Built around nursery rhyme references, it uses a funk sample more akin to the old school, but at a tempo and rhyme style that is squarely new school. Now Peter, Piper, pick peppers, but run rock, rhyme, humpty, dumpty, fell, down, that's his heart, time, Jackie, nimble, what, nimble, and he was quick, but jam, mass mud, faster, jack, saw Jay's dick, met a little boy, be cold, lost her sheep, and Rip Van Winkle fell a hell asleep, and out of chill and summer in Wonderland, Jack serving Jill bucket in his hand, and damn, at the day, making out that sound, the turntables might wobble, but they don't fall down. Run DMC's continuation of the harder rebranding of rap started by LL Cool J 
and an affinity for counterculture is possibly best exemplified by this line towards the end of the song, where they literally reclaim the word bad to mean its opposite. How to start, free, go! Tricks up for kids, he plays much kids. He's the big bad wolf and yo the three pigs. He's the big bad wolf in your neighborhood. Not bad, meaning bad, but bad, meaning good! The sample that provides both the drums and the bells to that incredible groove is the intro to the 1975 song Take Me to the Mardi Gras by Bob James. This is notable because it was sampled again by Rick Rubin just a few months later for a new project he was working on with three white guys from Brooklyn, establishing a tradition of Rick Rubin using identical or similar samples for multiple artists. This time, he cuts the highs in favor of the bass. Hold it now. These three artists, originally part of a punk rock band, were the Beastie Boys, comprised of Ad Rock, MCA, and Mike D. They released their debut album License to Ill in November of 1986, which contained that song, Hold It Now Hit It, their first single released from the album. Rolling Stone magazine calls this album the single greatest debut album in history, which makes sense because it did what Raising Hell couldn't, top the Billboard album charts, becoming the first hip-hop or rap album ever to top Billboard. This album destroyed any doubt that Def Jam and the sound that Rick Rubin pioneered was the future of rap. In this album, Rubin flexes his sample use like never before. He announces as much with his work on the first song on the album, Rhymin' and Stealin', which quote-unquote steals samples from a variety of artists. The main sample that comprises this song is When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin. Throughout his discography, Rick Rubin samples Led Zeppelin more than almost any other artist. The last song on the album, Time to Get Ill, has 14 samples alone, all layered within just three and a half minutes of track time. 
Artists sampled for the song include Joan Jett, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Barry White, Cool and the Gang, and Creedence Clearwater Revival. Perhaps a future episode will break down each of the 14 samples from this song, but for now, try to see what you can pick out for yourself. What's the time? It's time to get ill! What's the time? It's time to get ill! So what's the time? It's time to get ill! The Beastie Boys have been sampled many times themselves, with even their album art for License to Ill, which depicts a jet crashing into a mountain like a joint being snuffed out, being sampled or copied for Eminem's latest album art, Kamikaze. Radio, Raising Hell, and License to Ill were the triple crown of hip-hop records, each more successful than the last and shaping the next two decades of rap. However, due to a falling out within Def Jam leadership, Rick Rubin left Def Jam and moved to California founding Deaf American Records and producing for punk, rock, and metal bands before returning to rap in the 2000s. In 2003, he worked on the Black Album for Jay-Z, producing the hit song 99 Problems. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got the rap patrol on the cat patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cask is closed. Rap critics saves money, cash holes. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those? If you grew up with holes in your zap of toes, you celebrate the minute you was having dope. I'm like, fuck critics. The drums for this song were taken from The Big Beat by Billy Squire. A decade later, Rick Rubin would tap into Billy Squire discography again, this time taking from his 1981 song, The Stroke. Now everybody, have you heard? If you're in the game, well then the stroke's the word. The project Rubin used for this sample was of course Berserk by Eminem, a wild track that samples the drums, guitars, and vocals for the instrumental. Now the shit's about to kick off, this party looks wet. Let's take it back to straight hip-hop and start it from scratch. I'm about to bloody this track up, everybody get back. That's why my pin needs a pad, cause my rhyme's on the red tag. It's like I did with addiction, I'm about to freak it. Like a magician, critics I turn to freak it. 
This will wrap up this week's episode of Sample Excavating. Rick Rubin is by no means done with music, working with a variety of artists every year, most recently Kanye West, The Smashing Pumpkins, and Santana. His importance to the development and popularity of rap cannot be understated. He truly was, and still is, a wizard in the studio. As always, Apple Music and Spotify playlists containing all of the songs discussed in this week's episode, along with other songs I wasn't able to get to, are linked in the show notes below. Next week will be part one of the two-part finale to this inaugural season of Sample Excavator, so stay tuned for an epic story about the history of hip-hop in the 1970s and Nile Rodgers' influence through 40 years of pop music. If you've enjoyed this season, please consider subscribing and leaving a rate or review on your preferred streaming platform. This is vital to the visibility of the show in the podcast charts and suggestion feeds. Also, I know we all have friends interested in music, so share the show with just one music-loving friend to grow our sample excavation and spread sample knowledge far and wide. You can find me at idigitfirst, that's I-D-I-G-I-T-1-S-T, on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find the show at Sample Excavator on both platforms as well. Feel free to contact the show by sending comments, suggestions, and questions to thesampleexcavator at gmail.com. Sample Excavator is researched and written by myself and produced by Guy Tannenbaum. The theme music was written and recorded by David Ramos. As a thanks for sticking through the credits, here's a sneak peek at one of the songs we'll be breaking down for next week's episode. Until then, keep on digging. Thank you.